All right, folks, welcome to Justify Your Existence, the Daily Journal's podcast about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, the SEC, and beyond. Before we get started, make sure you follow Justify Your Existence on your favorite podcast platform or at djournal.com slash podcast. Uh, go ahead and join our Facebook groups, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford and Michael Katz, Mississippi State Discussion with Parrish Alford and Stefan Kreischnick, and follow D Journal Sports on Twitter. I'm Stefan Kreischnick, joined as always by our Mississippi State, or I'm oh, sorry, you're the Ole Miss reporter, <laughs> Michael Katz. How you doing, Michael? Okay, it wouldn't be a day in the life of a, a reporter if there wasn't some technical difficulties. So I think we're both going through <laughs> it right now, but we will we will survive in advance. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm over here responding to text from uh, from John Luke right now, so you can kind of see how uh, how it all overlaps and, and the life of a reporter live in action of, of balancing all the things um, as, as breaking news stories come in, and, and it kind of seems fitting. Um, you know, Mississippi State just now, maybe now probably not even an hour ago, um, Mississippi State gets their first. A player entering the transfer portal, as far as we know, um, Aaron Brule, a linebacker um, who was considered, you know, one of the defensive leaders all, all season going ahead into the transfer portal before the bowl game. Um, you know, it's, it's happened a lot with Ole Miss. So, so let's talk Ole Miss first. We'll come back to Brule just because the news is so recent. There's, you know, not much detail to it. Um, well, Ole Miss has had a few players uh, transfer, and that's probably a result a lot of, uh, you know, when you're a top 10 program, you probably got some, you know, four-star, three-star recruits on the bench who probably could be getting some more playing time elsewhere, um, along with, you know, across the nation, a ton of players transferring, a ton of coaches leaving that, that are leading to a lot of transfers. Um, but let's start nationally, then we'll break down a little bit Ole Miss and Mississippi State. What, what do you think is such a result of, you know, the transfer portal quantity and quality of player um, that, that we've seen in the past, you know, week or so? Not even. I mean, it, it's crazy when you look at the quality of guys like in there right now. I mean, you've got the guy who everybody thought was going to win the highest before the season started in Spencer right. Rattler. You've got an all-conference quarterback in Dylan Gabriel. You've got an all-conference quarterback in Jake Hayner from, from Fresno State. Um, you've got all of these really, you know, when guys used to transfer, it, it kind of seemed like it was like, guys who probably didn't really matter that much or like they were guys who were going to go to smaller programs so like they could finally get their playing time but now we're seeing guys go from like big programs to big programs or small programs to big programs and it's right. it, we're kind of at a point where like teams like you know Ole Miss for instance like they're and obviously like losing that crowd is going to be really really hard but right. if you get a transfer quarterback and it sounds like they are in the mix for some of them you're suddenly not rebuilding so much as you are just kind of trudging forward and keeping the thing going like i feel, I feel like you're, you're, not, you're not you're not rebuilding you're kind of retooling you know yeah, no exactly like and no it's, it's it's impossible to expect you know whoever the next guy is to be matt corral that's not going to happen yeah. but you're you're not throwing a guy into the fire who isn't ready. You are you've thrown a, pro, a proven commodity out there who you know can win you games, and you you know you don't have to worry about you know dang are we going to be even be eligible next year? Now you're looking at like okay, this is a team that can win eight nine games. Right. Um, it's it's just really kind of changed the way this whole thing works, and I know some people hate it. I think it's awesome. Um, one, I like to see guys playing and getting opportunities and, you know, obviously every circumstance is different, but, mm -hmm. um, it, it is interesting to, just to sort of see how schools balance the transfer portal with, you know, signing day, which is coming up in two weeks somehow, um, which <laughs> Don't is remind crazy. Me. <laughs> no, I know. Um, and it's, you know, it's like some teams 
are going to probably rely on the portal more because they think they're ready to win now. And then you've got some teams who are probably going to depend on, you know, the high school recruiting classes because they're kind of building for the future. I think it's just a really interesting, I think team, the way teams handle it is, is really fascinating. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. What's kind of interesting there is there's, I feel like there's two sides to this story. So if, if you're a freshman five-star quarterback coming out of high school, you initially commit to, let's say, an Ole Miss, right? You think you got a chance there, you're playing with Lane Kiff and all that. And then Ole Miss goes out, this is all hypothetical, goes out and get a transfer in, in Spencer Rattler, right? And, and there's, a, there's you know, a lot of reports out there and a lot of reason to believe that Spencer Rattler could come to Ole Miss. It's, it's just out there. It, do, do you think on one side of it, it creates a tool for where these five-star players, maybe their first year or two, want to go to a smaller school? and then transfer to a bigger program. That's the one side of it. The other side of it is NIL coming in. And it's like, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're Bryce Young, you're going to Alabama right away and you're going to get that money, millions of dollars. And granted, he also gets playing time too. He's not sitting on the bench. But like, I, I feel like there's two sides to the story now where if you're a five-star and you commit to a program, you got to know that coming in, there's a good chance that your coach is going to go out and get a transfer like a Spencer Rattler to, to take your spot right away. And now you got to sit and wait maybe a little longer than you would have thought. How do you think this just changes the complexion or maybe do you think it opens the door for some smaller schools to get bigger recruits that are, you know, Hey, if you're a, let's say if you're a Tulsa and you get a, a five-star, you know, quarterback, which, you know, probably won't happen, but could happen. Is, is Tulsa okay with having a five-star for two years and then him transferring to an Ole Miss or Mississippi state? Like, like, is that kind of where the complexion of things could shift a little bit? Well, that's what, you know, working, um, covering the University of Wyoming last year, this was a question, like, do you consider yourselves almost like the minor leagues? Like, you get guys ready, and right. then once, like, they're ready, they can just do whatever they want. And that was a really big kind of debate of, like, you know, what's going to happen to the small schools? Because, you, know, uh, you know, a lot of times they're getting developmental players, right? Um, guys who maybe are undersized or whatever, but have a lot of potential. Well, they build them up for two or three years and then they're, they're ready to go, you know, make their money uh, you right. know, somewhere else for NIL deals and, or just play at bigger schools. And um, I, I, for one, am hundred percent here for five-star kids going to like Wyoming. I think that would be awesome. Right. No, I, probably, I think that would be great. You know, um, I, I, it is interesting <laughs> though, because, you know, let's, let's look at Ole Miss. Like they have a four-star quarterback. Luke Altmaier, he's, right. you know, he's from Starkville. Um, he's a big deal. Um, but, you know, depending on what happens in the next few weeks, his calendar is completely changing. And so it's like, right. if you are a highly thought of guy, like, I, I feel like, I feel like you have to play a lot of scenarios in your head that you weren't playing before. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know what the right answer is. Like, I, I love guys like sticking it out and trying to, but I also like understand, you know, like the business in the, in the game kind of part of this, like, and I think five stars are, are going to go to big schools. Uh, you know, that's their competitors, all that kind of stuff. But, right. you know, say you're, uh, you know, USC just got a, a big quarterback committee, the Oklahoma kid, you know, SC's got, you know, this kid Jackson Dart who looks like he is going to be very good. And so it's like, he you know the new commit's probably gonna have to sit for a few years you got to balance like is it worth it 
Um, or what if you went somewhere else and played right away that, you know, if you look at the depth chart, it's looking a little bit emptier. It's, it really is fascinating. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think we're seeing more of the, the sort of minor league thing in basketball. We're seeing guys from mid-majors moving up to, to bigger schools um, and, and really contributing. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I'm not really thinking of any, like, I mean, I guess uh, what's his name from uh, the Western Kentucky quarterback, uh, but he's still not really like a huge player. Zappy. Zappy. There's a Z in there. There's a Z. Um, but you know, he was like, I think he was like a D2 kid or like an FCS kid and like, right. he took advantage. And so I, I think that you're, you're going to get a lot of interesting scenarios. I, I, I don't know. Like if you were, you know, five-star quarterback, Stefan Kreisnick, what would you rather do? Go somewhere, go to your dream school. Let's say Notre Dame, you're in, in, in yeah. let's say Notre Dame was your dream school, right? Uh, you're a five-star Perfect. kid, but you know you're gonna have to sit for a couple years right would you rather go there or would you rather go to like not to say they're like smaller schools but like indiana or purdue where you might have where you might have an easier time of starting right away you got a couple years and then you can go wherever you want like i mean what right. i'm curious like how, how do you kind of see it yeah no, i mean listen I, I with the way it's going I, I think maybe going to that smaller school might be a good route like you mentioned Indiana, Purdue. Okay. Those are big 10 schools. So, but like, let's say like a, you know, like a Western Kentucky, you know, you're talking yeah. about, about, about their quarterback. Like it's, it's not a bad route to take. It can't be. And you, if you're a five-star recruit and you go to a school like Western Kentucky, you're probably going to succeed, you know, considering the strength of schedule that they're playing. Right. Like you, there, there's a, there's a, a, a path for success for you there. It, it might be, man. It might be. It, it could be different depending on who you're getting offers from. Let's say you're a five-star and you're getting offers to, you know, without thinking off the top of my head, a school that doesn't really have a quarterback, right? Like, you can come in, you can move pretty quick. But even if you're, if, even if you're a five-star and you come in and you're a true freshman starter and you have a good season, like, Spencer Rattler is more enticing, right? Even, even though you had a good season, bringing in Spencer Rattler is more enticing. That's why it's, it's weird. The, the combination of the portal right now and the, like the portal has been a thing for, for a few years now. Like the, the portal is not no, nothing new. Now but, it's out of control. With, like, but now it's free, out of the, control, right? The, the, the portal being kind of to this level combined with the coaching moves that we're seeing combined with NIL, it's, it's an era in, in college sports that has never been seen before. Like this, I mean, we talked about, you know, Notre Dame hasn't had a coach leave and, what feels like centuries like because yeah. It's, yeah because it's close to that like everything is at a completely new level that we've never seen before and it's not an under it's not an overstatement to say that so you're kind of at the point where it's like may, like maybe maybe if i was a five-star i would consider it depending on which program i was you know which depending on which power five program i was getting attention from i definitely consider it right like like it's got to be an option going to that smaller school that used to be a thing that we would just see maybe in like college coaching where you go to a Cincinnati and then you leave for a USC, right? That's, we, that's normal in coaching. Now we're going to see that normal with, with players. And, and the stuff Mike Leach was talking about at media days about if you, if you commit to school and you stay there for four years and you graduate, and then that school gives you $200,000 per se, but as a, I can't remember the exact number he put on it, but you, you go to school, you there for four years, you graduate from that school without transferring, without anything. They're going to give you $200,000. 
maybe that's reasonable now. Yeah. It, it's like, like it was, it was something like people kind of laughed at what Mike Lee said at media days. And it's like, it could be very real it, now. It, it could no, be very it's, real. It, no, it's not seeming so crazy. It's just, you know, like, is anything, is anything like crazy that. anymore? No, 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 no. <laughs> but like, so like, you know, I grew up in LA in like the heyday of USC where they were collecting right. the top quarterbacks every year. And they were all, they all had to sit and wait their turn. Like Mark Sanchez only started at USC for one year. And he was right. the number one guy before him. It was John David Booty. God bless him. Uh, you know, Liner, Palmer, like all of those guys, Matt Barkley right. after that, Matt Barkley, by the way. But, you know, there used to be like a hierarchy. Like if you were a freshman, you sat. Right. And now that's not the case anymore. Like you have a chance to play right away and still end up where you wanted to go. Right. It, yeah. I, and I think a lot of that is like, just like we could talk about like now this is like on macro level in terms of talking about sports as a whole like you can talk about baseball basketball like athletes today are like in terms of like their body and their athleticism are on a whole new level like we're talking about like mike trout compared to like babe ruth like look at pictures oh yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. that's like that's what i'm saying like and i think you're at a point where you're seeing an 18 year old quarterback coming out of you know blank central high school being a stud athlete who can start right away at the college level and be really good. Yeah. And I, and I think that's right. I mean, like, that's like a huge, like big picture thing, but like a lot of that stems from that. And then at least to one thing, at least another thing. And all these little dominoes have gotten to this place where here we are today, where if you're, you know, a, a five-star quarterback, who's, you know, a sophomore junior who waited his turn, hang on, Spencer Rattler's coming in and you might be really good. And you might've even started. You know, we're talking about Luke. Obviously, he didn't start because of Matt Corral, but, like, he could have easily started games and been really good, but yeah. you bring in Spencer Eller. It, it's a different level. Let's talk a little bit real quick, Ole Miss specifically, some of the transfers they lost. How, how do you think it kind of impacts the team next season? I, I think so far we've sort of had the sort of type of guys you thought were going to transfer, guys who probably weren't going to see a ton of, you know, time. Right. Um, yeah, I still think we're sort of feeling the effects of the the extra COVID year because I think you're going to get guys who – there are still guys who are seniors and can come back for another year, right. um, guys who started. Um, and so I, I, I think that is still going to be kind of a lingering thing where guys are leaving because they're going to have to wait another year. Um, the, the, the one that's really kind of hit, I guess, would be the most impactful. And not to say that, like, these other guys aren't impactful, but uh, it was Momo Sunogo. Um, a linebacker who, you know, a few years ago had like 112 tackles. He got injured in the last couple of years. He, he's seen diminished time to where I think he only made like 20 something tackles this year. Um, he was a guy that was, he was behind Chance Campbell and, you know, Chance might come back. Uh, and so it, it's, it wasn't surprising um, to see him try to get an opportunity, but you know, maybe he, he wasn't as impactful as he was earlier in his career, but he's still a guy who played a lot of football uh, at Ole Miss, and he was a team leader. He was, I mean, in a lot of ways, he was kind of a team spokesman. Um, and right. so uh, I think that's going to hurt to an extent. Other guys so far, um, you know, you've got some guys who, you know, weren't on too, the, the latest too deep. And so, um, you know, maybe they would have developed into something. But if you're kind of looking at it from that perspective, it's, it's kind of the expected departures of guys trying to get playing time. There hasn't been that huge, like that superstar who's, who's trying to get, 
an opportunity somewhere. I mean, I don't think there's been the impact of like the one that Mississippi State had yet. Right. Um, yeah. No. And maybe. Go ahead, I was gonna say maybe it happened, but as of right now, uh, it, it's been kind of the the guys you thought would probably leave. Yeah. No, I think it's interesting you bring that up because you know just maybe an hour or so ago, Aaron Brule entered a transfer portal, Mississippi State starting linebacker, and you you texted me and you were kind of like, "Hey, this seems a bit surprising." Yes and no. It's surprising in the sense of like the impact and the role that he had on team. I mean, he was one of the two guys that they sent to media days to, re- to represent the program. I and mean, you talk about someone being a spokesperson for the team. I mean, the guy you send to media days is usually that. Um, but at the same time, with Jed Johnson and Nathaniel Watson and Tyrus Wheat also getting time at linebacker, you know, Aaron Brule lost some snaps. He had quality snaps and he played well. And I think he's a good player and he's got NFL potential, you know, maybe a late round pick even an undrafted signee, he's got NFL potential to be, you know, on a practice squad. Um, but, but I think you're seeing that as like when, when you're losing snaps and you've, you, you know, when he was being recruited, he was getting, you know, decent attention, you know, that you can go somewhere else. And that's just how the transfer portal lies. And, and when you're a guy like him, who knows, you know, I, I haven't spoken to Aaron, you know, this is a lot of speculation that I'm going to say, but you know, if, you, if you're a, if you're the top guy, and everyone around you is losing snaps, but you're getting your snaps, maybe that changes. But when you're one of four guys who are splitting snaps, you suddenly see your role diminish and you can go somewhere else and get some more playing time and show your skill set. And I think that's where something like, like that lies with Aaron Brule. So it's going to be interesting to see what Mississippi State does. Um, you know, it's crazy to track with, you know, Mississippi State is figuring to lose Charles Cross at left tackle. Scott Lashley's leaving at right tackle. Whether people think he's good or not, he's a starting right tackle. Martin Emerson's leaving at quarterback, cornerback. Mississippi State's going to have to go out and get some transfers. And you're seeing all these transfers who are getting million offers from million schools. And you're like, well, Mississippi State, you know, could get this guy, but <laughs> there's also 30 other schools that could get this guy. So that's kind of the interesting thing for me. And, I, and I'm interested to see the offers that Brule gets because he's an he's a starting SEC linebacker, like. Why? Why wouldn't a LSU offer him? Like, like this is not like Aaron Boulay being a bad player that he's going to get an offer from, you know, South Alabama. And God bless South yeah. Alabama. I love Kane Walmack, former defensive coordinator in, in Indiana, great dude. But like, he's going to he, he could get offers from a rival school. And you, I mean, the, an Ole Miss could offer him. Why not? You know, what does that? That would be petty as hell, and I love it. Well, I mean, what would you expect from the rivalry? Uh, Any, you know, anything about pettiness? <laughs> no, right? Uh, I, I think that I can. The best way to summon the transfer portal is through Jake Hayner's college experience. The dude started his career at Washington, transferred because he wasn't playing, became a star at Fresno State, and now is probably transferring back to Washington. <laughs> like how? Caleb DeBoer. Caleb DeBoer effect. How wild is that? No, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I, I, ironically enough, I'm actually going to an Indiana women's basketball game tonight, and they're, uh, they're a top-ten team. They're facing NC State, a top-ten team. <laughs> Indiana has a guard. Their starting point guard started her career in Notre Dame. when Nord- She got recruited when, like, Notre Dame was at, you know, peak Notre Dame, like Final Four contention. They kind of fall off. She transfers to Indiana. She takes a year off due to, like, the transfer rule. She's had redshirt years because she had terrible injuries at Notre Dame. Had COVID. She's she's like she's older than me. Like she's older than me, and I've graduated from Indiana, and she still plays. She's like on her like sixth or seventh year. Like like the COVID year and the transfer portal and the NIL and all these coaches. Like everything is going on at simultaneously in college football. And it's like, 
why couldn't we spread this out? It would make everyone's job a little bit easier. Granted, that would require me asking COVID to like happen, you know, 10 years down the road instead of right now. But, you know, now I'm just getting greedy. Now I'm just getting greedy. Yeah, can, can, can we kick that bucket? I would have loved that. Well, let's wrap up a little bit here before, you know, before we, uh, before we end, let's talk a little bit about basketball. That's kind of the season that, that's coming up now before, you know, the bowl games, and obviously after the bowl game, that's, that's what we'll be covering a majority of. Uh, tell me a little bit about the Ole Miss, the Ole Miss uh, men, the Ole Miss women, kind of their projections of their season. And, and are either of those programs looking to be in the NCAA tournament this year? Yeah, so the, or the, uh, the the Ole Miss women lost their first game of the year to Belmont, which Belmont's a good team. They were an NCAA good team. tournament. They played Indiana in an NCAA tournament last year, actually. Yeah, and they're, they're – I mean, that's no shame losing, like, that game. But they've right. rattled off seven wins in a row since, and they're looking really solid. Um, I think, you know, they, they've got a, a a high WNBA draft pick in Shakira Austin. Um, right. She, she's going to be an all-SEC player. They've, you know, it's crazy. Like a couple years ago, this was a single digit win team and they've, they've accumulated talent. And, um, you know, I think this is kind of like the year they've been waiting for. Um, and I, I think it would be a, a pretty big upset if this team didn't make the NCAA tournament. Uh, I know the SEC is going to be brutal. It's always brutal. And there's always going to be really, really good teams, but right. um you know, they were pretty close to making it last year and they made a nice NIT run and they lost the finals, I believe it was. Um, and that's kind of been the springboard for them. So, um, you know, it was, it was the question was like, you know, is is this Ole Miss team the team that lost to Belmont or is the team that's won seven straight games? And it's become a lot more apparent. They're, they've won their last seven by like an average of 25 points a game. Like they're not right. just winning. They are they are killing teams so it's become pretty apparent that like the real Ole Miss is the good team not the one that you know showed up in the season opener the Ole Miss men are interesting um they've they they they, they don't have that that ace scorer per se you know Jarkel Joyner is a great player but they don't necessarily have a guy who's gonna be able to take over a game and get 30 on a given night um you know the Kermit Davis has kind of always molded the program around defense and that's that's still what they need to do they've got good depth but um you know they've they've you know they, they they're they're showing at charleston you know they they lost a pretty tight one to marquette they lost one where they were up pretty big uh, against boise state uh you know sometimes the offense can disappear and so i, I think it's really you know kermit kind of said it yesterday um the the thing that's so important for this team is to play defense and get those easy baskets in transition. Um, you know, the other day they had 57 rebounds, which was the most they've had in 15 years, I think it was. And, you know, their, their shots aren't always pretty, but when they're getting easy ones, it makes everything uh, a lot easier. And I know before the season started, you know, Kermit told me that, you know, the expectation, it, it was, you know, if this wasn't an NCAA tournament team, it would be disappointing. I think it's going to be tough. I'm not saying it's impossible, but the SEC is really, really good. Um, again, as it always is, you know, but, um, you know, I, I think this is a team that is getting better. I, I, I just don't know. I'm not sure how high their ceiling is, uh, you know, just in terms of, you know, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to, you know, when it comes to the Kentuckys and the Tennessees and, you know, the, and the Alabamas and those sorts of teams, I think they're going right. to struggle uh, against those sorts of teams, not to say they couldn't win, but 
but I think it, it, it it's it's going to be a grind. And so um, I, 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 I'm not sure, you know, last year, again, they thought they probably should have been in the tournament. They did not make it. They ended up getting upset in the first round of the NIT. Um, I, I know that their expectations for themselves are high, but I, I pardon me kind of feels like there is a little bit of a ceiling. Right. No, I, I think some of that echoes on both sides. Um, the Mississippi state programs, men's side, um, you know, they, They've won every game except for the one in the Bahamas against Louisville. I mean, Louisville, you're fine losing to a team like that. That's a, that's a quality team that, you know, is in the NCAA tournament almost every year minus their sanction. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a good loss to have if there is anything as a good loss. Um, you know, bringing back Tolu Smith, uh, Mississippi State has a lot of depth. Ben Holland said this is the most depth he's had on a Mississippi State team since he's been here. Um, from the men's side, I think there's definitely the expectation of being an NCAA tournament team. And they were a team that was, you know, receiving votes, um, you know, last week in the, in the AP poll, you know, you're, you're looking at probably a top 30 program right now that, you know, maybe a few SEC wins, um, you know, gets them into the top 25. So that, that's definitely a program where right now um, there are a few good wins away um, from really being the team where, we're, where, where people are like that they're going to be a tournament team. On the women's side, it, it's interesting. The, the women, the whole situation is just crazy. I mean, you you lose your head coach. There's a lot and, going on. Right. You lose your head coach a month before the season starts. The interim head coach is a guy that came and joined the program two months before the season started. Um, and, and they've handled it well. Their only loss of the year is to a top 15 Michigan team. And um, those of you that know I'm an AP voter, I, I, I think the Michigan team is, is, you know, right up there. I think I had them at number 12 in my latest poll, like, that's a legit team that they battled, but couldn't match up with. Like the matchups are were a little bit of a struggle in that Michigan game because uh, Michigan has Nas Hillman, an inside presence, and anytime Mississippi State plays a team that has a strong inside presence like that, they're gonna lose because Mississippi State is not a big team. Mississippi State is also not on the women's side is not a team with a lot of depth um, as opposed to the men's side. Like the. <laughs> if a game gets close, they're going maybe you know six players, seven players deep. Like they don't have a lot of depth. Um, in a game where, you know, things are close. When you're playing McNeese State and Rakia Jackson scores 40 points, things are a lot easier. And I think you see why Rakia Jackson is an all-SEC preseason selection. And it's going to be curious to see what she does at the end of this season. Um, But all things considered, do I think Mississippi State women are going to make the tournament? I I don't know. And and I would lean towards no, just because SEC play is going to be brutal. And (laughs) – Man, when they play against South Carolina and, and the inside presence that South Carolina has, and, and granted, most teams that play South Carolina, like, yeah, especially <laughs> in there, oof, it could it, like the women, like women's basketball has a lot more parity the past three years, including this season, than ever before. Or at least what people always thought, you know, UConn's going to run them, UConn's going to run them, Stanford's going to run them, Stanford's going to run them. Like, there's a lot of parity besides South Carolina this year. Like, South Carolina is legit. They're going to steamroll through the SEC. But it's just like a team like that with an inside presence is going to have no issue against Mississippi State. And when you're playing the SEC, there's a lot of teams that have that inside presence. Rakia Jackson is really good. And, and she can go out and give you a 40-piece or get 40-piece against McNeese State, let's say a 30-piece against you know an SEC school. And that can win you some games. How long that can last and how long that, that lack of depth um, you know, can help them survive. That's going to be interesting to see. And they're going to be a team that right now is just looking like a bubble team. 
um, which, which obviously makes things a lot of fun when you get to March and, and you're looking at, you know, an SEC tournament game determining a lot. So um, definitely a lot to watch there. We'll be talking a lot more basketball moving forward, um, especially after bowl season ends. Um, until then, make sure you're following um, the, the Justify Your Existence on your favorite podcast platform or at djournal.com slash podcast. Join our Facebook groups, Old Miss Discussion with Parrish Halford and Stefan Kajsnik. No, 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 that's wrong. Old Miss Discussion with Parrish Halford and Michael Katz. Mississippi State Discussion with Parrish Halford and Stefan Kajsnik. And follow Djournal Sports on Twitter. Until next time, I'm Stefan. Michael joining me as always. We'll talk to you later.